the words that he has for us this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you. And as this last worship song was saying, be the strength of our life, Lord. Lord, we know that we are weak, but you are strong, and we know that you are great and mighty and all-powerful, and there is no one greater than you, Lord. I pray now that you prepare our hearts, Lord, for this message that you have for us. It's your message. It's not mine. It's your words. They're not mine. It's all you, Lord, and all I want to do is be obedient and faithful as a faithful steward, Lord, to give forth your word. I pray that you would just minister to our hearts, that you would encourage us, and that you would reveal all truth to us, Lord. May our eyes be open, Lord. May we be ready to receive all that you have for us by your spirit, by your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome everyone once again. Uh, we are here on Sunday morning, and I'm glad that you're all tuning in. As you tune in, I think we're going to speak on a very important topic today, and I believe it is very relevant and timely when it comes to the things that we're facing in our world today. We're going to be talking about the God of this age. You know, I find it so appropriate that as we're going through the book of Corinthians that we have such a timely message and a mention of the God of this age. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at the first six verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And if you want to begin to open your Bibles there to 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 4, we're going to be going over these six verses. And we're going to be discussing much on the God of this age. In light of the world events that are going on, I really believe that it's a very important topic. For we know that there is a great deception that is going on. And this is what we're going to be discussing. I've titled this message, The God of This Age. And I'm going to break down the message into three sections. The first is going to talk about the minister's agenda. And we're going to discuss this in verses 1 through 2. Then we're going to talk about the God of this age agenda. And this is going to be in verses 3 through 4, where we'll spend most of our time in. And then we're going to talk about God's agenda in verses 5 through 6. Again, let me repeat that. The minister's agenda, verses 1 through 2. The God of this age agenda in verses 3 and 4. And then God's agenda in verses 5 through 6. So if you have your pens, your pencils, your pads, paper, whatever it is, your Bible, begin to, to just take notes on some of these things that, that the Lord wants to impress upon your heart. As, I, as, as we begin now, Let's go ahead and talk about the minister's agenda. And so we're going to read the first two verses and then we'll discuss that. As it says here in verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So as we see here, Paul begins with the word, therefore. When you look at the word, therefore, it's always as a result of what was previously spoken. So when Paul begins here, what is Paul 
why is Paul mentioning this? What is the result of? Well, when we look at the ministry, as Paul is talking about, since we have this ministry, what ministry is he speaking of? With regards to the ministry, he's talking about the ministry of righteousness. What is this ministry of righteousness? It's righteousness that is achieved as someone receives the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior by faith. See, the preaching of Jesus Christ, the gift of salvation, comes upon those that place their faith in Jesus. We know that they now have this new birth. It's a spiritual birth, which results in the what? The gift of eternal life. And so Paul begins to talk about this amazing ministry. This amazing ministry that we are called to share. It is the gospel of grace. It is what you and I have been called to do. We're ministers. We're, we're servants of the Lord. And he's given us the agenda to go out and to share this amazing message. Well, as I mentioned, what we're talking about here is the Great Commission, right? You and I have been called to preach the gospel. And not only to preach the gospel, but to disciple the saved. And God in his mercy, remember this, God in his mercy has given this, given this to us. He's given us this work to do. Are we faithful stewards to this ministry? What's amazing about all of this is that God chose man to, to work, to do this work. He didn't choose the angels. Remember, he could have chosen the angels to do that, but he chose man to do this. He chose both men and women to do this amazing work for God. But we know that as this work has been given to us, we know that it's not very easy, is it? We know that there's people that reject it. We know that there's people that fight against it. There's people that attack it. There's people that hate it. When it comes to this message that we have, you know, when it comes to any other topic that we can discuss with anybody that we meet, whether it be friends, family, strangers, co-workers, whoever they are. We can discuss any subject, right? And people don't have issues with it. But when you bring up the topic of Jesus Christ, this topic creates what? Some major problems, doesn't it? Some people don't like it. Some people get upset with it. Some people begin to attack you for it. And because of this, we know that things do get hard. It's not always easy getting the gospel out. Isn't it hard today for us to get the gospel, as some may think? When we look at the virus that's out there right now, COVID-19, it's put a damper in our world, even as Christians. Many Christians believe that they've been hampered and hindered, immobilized from getting the word out, from getting the gospel out. But let me remind you of this. Just because we don't meet in a church building or we can't invite people to a church building, it doesn't mean that we can't share the gospel or invite people to hear the gospel. Did you know that you can reach more people with a push of a button? And you can reach more people with the gospel with a push of the button on the device that you are listening to right now. You can share it. You can get the gospel out by pushing that button, share. And you're going to reach more people, friends and family, and friends and family of your friends and family by sharing this message. I didn't mention to you prior, and I'm telling you, I'm asking you now, 
all of us should be hitting the share button on the device that we're listening to so that others can hear the gospel message, so that others can hear this amazing ministry of righteousness. Did you know that our views are up? We're reaching more people today with the gospel through the technology that we have than any other time. This goes to show us that we can still do the work of the Lord and in, 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 in reaching people with this ministry of righteousness, with this amazing gospel of grace that we have. You know, when it came to Paul, Paul had his challenges. He had his struggles. His were a little different than ours, at least for the time being that I'm talking about. But he also had many struggles. Remember, people were out to kill him. The Judaizers that mixed grace and law were out to take him out. And he suffered for much, or he suffered much for the gospel. You know, when we look at next week, we're going to see how he had his struggles. How he shares his suffering. But when we get to chapter 11, we're really given a list of his sufferings where he talks about his imprisonments, where he talks about his lashes, his beatings, his stoning, his shipwrecks, his perils, his sleeplessness, his hunger. All of this made it very difficult for him to share the gospel. You know, we know that for us, the gospel is under attack, right? I mean, there's people that are being imprisoned for sharing today, people that are being killed and martyred. But through all of this, this is why Paul finishes there in verse 1. He says, we do not lose hope. As we have received mercy, we do not lose hope. Remember this, we've received mercy. It's a glorious thing. And Paul is saying, you know what, we don't lose hope. See, sharing the gospel through our struggles in the world that we face today, Paul is reminding us not to lose heart. You know what, he begins now to reveal the heart, his heart with the gospel message. He begins to declare that he gave the truth of the gospel. He gave it for what it is, for what it stands for, for what it says. He says, I didn't twist the scriptures for my own agenda. He says, you know what, we renounce these things of shame before, right? We don't twist it today. This is who we were before, but not anymore. He says that we gave the truth of the scriptures. See, what, what happens and what's been going on since the birth of the church is you have people that are twisting the scriptures for their own agenda. You have people on television, the televangelists. You have pastors and leaders that are still doing this today. They use the scriptures to promote their lifestyles. They twist them. This is what you call eisegesis. It's twisting the scriptures by placing their own truth into the text to meet their own personal agenda. You have another that is called exegesis, and this is taking the truth out of the text. This is what we do, right? We believe what, we, what the Bible says. We, we preach and teach what it says. And Paul is saying, you know what, what's our agenda? Our agenda is not to do it deceitfully. 
in craftiness, in handling. Someone else was deceitful, and that's who we're going to talk about now. We're going to move into the next section, and I men- as I mentioned, we're going to spend much time here talking about the God of this age agenda. The God of this age agenda. The God of this age. There is one who has an agenda, and let's read about this in verses 3 and 4. He says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Let's go back and let's think about Paul, right? If there was anyone that could preach the gospel, it was Paul. But yet, even when Paul preached the gospel... Not everyone received it. We've had amazing preachers in our lifetime, and yet not everyone receives the gospel. They reject the truth. They reject the gospel. And we may wonder, why are they rejecting the truth? Paul gives us this insight. He tells us that the God of this age has blinded them. In other words... They have a veil that has been put over their eyes. They have this veil that's upon them so that they do not believe. And the light of the gospel can't go through that veil. Why? Because the enemy has blinded them. At the end of the study, I'll give you one way that we can win over this veil, over the enemy's tactics. But before we get there, let's talk about Who this enemy is. Who is the God of this age? It is the devil himself. We have Satan and his minions who are carrying out his agenda. And why is he called the God of this age? We can go back to Genesis to understand this title. Remember when God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it? When God created the earth, he said that he gave it to man. He gave it to Adam and Eve. God says, I have given it all to you. The issue came with sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, guess what they did? They forfeited the earth to the devil. And so he became the God of this age. What does it mean or what does the title mean, I should say? Just to clarify, so you get a better understanding of all of this, is that he is the God of this world system. The world as you see it today, he is the God of this age. We know that Jesus isn't the Lord of the world system. Otherwise, you wouldn't see it the way it is headed today. Right? You look at people, you look at the world and the things that it promotes. Look at the news. Look at the events. Look at crime. Look at wickedness. Look at the debauchery that's happening. Look at the debased people that are out there. Their eyes have been blinded. The eyes of both men and women. And so, the Lord is not their master. Someone else has to be their master. And who is this person that is their master? Who is the one that has blinded their eyes to the truth? We can go to Romans chapter 6, verse 16, where it says that we are told that who you present yourself slaves to obey, 
you are that one slaves whom you obey. Think about that. Who you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey. See, when Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they began to, what, obey, what, the, the command of Satan, right? As he deceived them, they became slaves of the devil. And in doing this, they forfeited the deed of the earth. See, when people practice sin, they have chosen to make themselves slaves to the one they obey. And when Jesus Christ came almost 2,000 years ago, what did he come for? He came to redeem the world. He came to save people from their sins. But not everyone wants Jesus to save them. Otherwise, everyone will be placing their faith in him. They've been blinded. They've been deceived. Just like Adam and Eve, the enemy deceives people into believing that the world and what it offers is what's best for them. And so they reject the truth. Remember this, that Satan is the master deceiver. He has done this so well and continues to do this so well. I want to bring this now into our current events. The great deception, the, the agenda that the God of this age has. When we look at this pandemic, we're talking about COVID-19. Let me give you some stats here so you know. It has infected 210 countries. There are almost 3 million cases with over 200,000 deaths worldwide. When we look at our nation, the United States of America, we're almost reaching the 1 million mark in cases. We have over 54,000 deaths. And so when we look both at a national and a global basis, we see that it's truly a crisis. Not only is it a health crisis, but now they're talking about a national crisis. It's also affected the world economy. It's an issue. And not only that, the financial economy is plummeting. And Satan and his puppets are saying that the only way to resolve a global problem is with a global solution. Think about that. This is what Satan and his puppets are promoting. A global solution. A global government with someone to head it that will make things better. When we look at the previous pandemics, or the, I should say the previous health issues, remember H1N1, SARS, we have the flu. We know that there were many victims, but there was never a push for a global government to resolve this. When you look at the media today, when you look at the liberals and the socialists, right, they're promoting and pushing for a global government. The United Nations is pushing for a world government. Nations are pushing for a world government. Our nation is probably the only nation that is not for a global government, at least the heads. 
But it doesn't mean the media, the media, the liberals and the socialists and the people doesn't mean that they're not pushing for this. See, the coronavirus has expedited the call to a world government. And guess who is behind this world government? You're absolutely right. It's Satan himself. It's the enemy himself. Remember this, Satan has one goal in mind, and that is to establish his kingdom on earth. And the only way to establish his kingdom on earth is to have his government. And the only way to get this done is to have the world embrace his global government, his world government, so that he can raise up someone to lead this government, which is the Antichrist. I'm sharing this with all of you because we're talking about this God of this age and his agenda. We were talking about first how he's veiled the eyes of the individuals to receive the truth of the gospel. Now, he's also deceived so many into believing that, you know what, there's only one solution. There's only one way to solve everyone's problems, those that are veiled, those that don't see, and that is to have this one world government. And the globalists, they're flooding the market through the media. They want the people to embrace this agenda. When everyone's health is in jeopardy, everyone is willing to receive whatever they have and and to give up their freedoms to receive this. I don't know if many of you have heard of the immunity card. What is the immunity card? It is a card that permits you to enter any event, sporting events, whatever events there are out there. If you have this immunity card, you're able to go in. The immunity card says you don't have coronavirus, you don't have COVID-19. Let me remind you that there is a promotion of a digital ID and it's coming. I was just listening about this, just listening to this yesterday. ID 2020. Remember, without this digital ID, you will not be able to get into any venue. Every person on this planet will have to possess this ID. To do anything, you're going to need this digital ID. And believe me, the technology is here. The devices are here. And it's going to be free for everyone, right? And believe me, the globalists right now, their agenda is to push the vaccine with this digital ID. We don't know if they're going to be succeeding in it. Because if they don't succeed, don't believe me, they're not going to stop. Remember... All the health experts are stating that it's the COVID-19 is coming back in the fall. It's going to come back early next year. And once this happens again, don't you think that people are going to be embracing a global vaccine with his digital ID? You may be thinking, wow, is he talking about the mark of the beast? Is he referencing here the mark of the beast? Let me remind you, in order to Know that it's the mark of the beast is that the, the Antichrist, he needs to be in power because this is his mark. 
And we know that the Antichrist is not in power right now. It's not to say that he's not going to gain power in, in the coming months. But without this Antichrist, there is no mark of the beast. But one thing we know about all of this, that it is a precursor to this mark, to the mark of the beast. All of this is, is moving in this direction. When we look at Revelation as it talks about the Antichrist, read Revelation 13, read the book of Daniel, read the second letter to to the Thessalonians in chapter 2. The God of this age has his, has his agenda unfolding before our eyes. But I have some good news for each and every one of us. We're not going to be here when this happens. The church is going to be raptured before the events of the tribulation. Remember what Paul told us that we have not been appointed to wrath, but to salvation. Understand the deception, the puppets of the enemy that are out there. And so many people are blinded to this. This is why it's so important that we get the gospel out. That we begin to share these things. Our agenda is to get the gospel out, salvation. If anyone wants to be saved, it's through the name of Jesus Christ, by believing and placing your faith in Him. This is why we're here. This is our agenda. This is a great commission. Are we faithful to this? Yes, the rapture of the church, it can happen at any time, and I anticipate that it's going to happen sometime soon. The signals are there. The time is at hand. And it's important that we get the truth out. It's important that we share the gospel. Remember, you're in closed doors. Share this message. We want people to hear this message so that they're not deceived and blinded by the God of this age. You know, as we were speaking about, or as I began to speak about the earth that was forfeited to Satan, in Revelation chapter 5, the apostle John began to weep. Why was he weeping when he was there and as he had the vision of heaven and he was looking at it and he was there present and seeing all of this? Well, he was weeping because he believed that there was no one that was worthy to take the scroll of the earth. He was weeping. Who can get, who can take the scroll? And then he heard someone telling him, for the lamb is able to take the scroll. Who is this lamb? The lamb that I'm talking about is the lamb of God. Who takes away the sins of the world. The sinless lamb of God. The lamb without blemish. This is Jesus Christ. He will take the scroll. And we know that. In Revelation chapter 19, we know that he's going to come back with the church, and that's us, those that are raptured, the church that is raptured. He will come back. We will come back. Defeat the enemy, and guess what? 
Rule the earth in righteousness for a thousand years. The Lord will rule on this earth for a thousand years. Righteousness will prevail. And we will be here with him ruling on this earth. Remember what Jesus said? He said, be of good cheer. Why? For I have overcome what? The world. Be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. This is what's so amazing. Let's not be deceived as a people as to what's going on, especially for us as Christians. And especially for those, that are, for those of you listening to this message. God doesn't want you to be ignorant to the signs of the times. To see what the enemy's agenda is. To see what they're promoting. To see what they want to implement. The enemy wants to establish his kingdom on earth. He's believed his own lie into thinking that he won't be defeated, but we know that he will. For the Bible declares it. And this is what we believe. As we head into the third agenda, I mean into the third, yes, agenda, as we go into the third portion of of today's message. Let's go ahead and read verses 5 and 6. It says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is a God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What we're talking now is about God's agenda. God's agenda is that we would preach Christ. This is what he's telling us. Is that we would preach Christ. Remember, we are not here to preach ourselves, but we're here to preach the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what's so amazing is that you and I have been given this amazing ministry to preach the Lord. We're not here to make our own kingdom. We're not here to grow our own churches. We're not here to grow our own following. We're not here to do any of that. What we've been called to do is to preach the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that died for you. He's the one that saved you. He's the one that gave his life for you. He's the one that loves you. He's the one that has a better plan for you. All we've been called to do in comparison to some of these false teachers out there is for us that are leaders within the church. We're called to serve you. As he says, as Paul says, ourselves, your bond servants for Jesus' sake. We're your bond servants. We're your servants. We're here to serve you. I have no other agenda but to serve you. The leaders of this church have no other agenda but to serve you. We are called to serve one another. That should be your agenda. Remember, the Lord says to love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you need to learn to be what? A slave, a servant. Following the example of the Lord who did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. 
We're called to be your servants. You're called to be a servant. Let's follow through with our calling. And then I love the way he closes there in verse 6. For it is a God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When we look at what it says here, let me bring you back to Genesis chapter 1. When God created the heavens and the earth, remember the earth was filled with darkness. The earth was filled with darkness. And then what did God say? He says, let there be light. And guess what? The, li the light shone out of darkness. The light dispelled the darkness. The light dispelled the darkness. Let me share with you that this light that was spoken by God is the same light that was spoken into our hearts. For those of you that come to Jesus by faith, remember this. That darkness that you have within your heart, it is taken out. It is now filled with light. And now when we are filled with light, we have what? The knowledge of the glory of God. This is what's so amazing. The way he spoke light in the darkness is the way he speaks to our hearts. And the amazing truth is that when we allow his truth to come into our hearts, to shine into our hearts, then we see truth. We understand. We're no longer deceived. We're no longer following the lie. We can see the ploy and the plans and the agenda of the enemy. And we could talk to others about this. That's our responsibility to share this truth with others. See, when there is truth, when you're walking in truth, where there is light, there is no more darkness. See, before we placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we were led and deceived by the prince of darkness. But when we heard the voice of God and we surrendered to that voice of God, like many of you are hearing the voice of God now, when you surrender to that voice by faith, then you are now going to be led in truth by the prince of life. And who is this prince of life? Acts 3 verse 15 tells us that this is Jesus Christ. Remember, this is God's agenda that we continue to preach this glorious message such a glorious ministry that God has given us. You remember how I told you earlier how we can defeat this work of the enemy, how he's veiled the eyes of many? Remember, the enemy has blinded so many people. That's why he's a God of this age. What can we do for those who have been blinded by the God of this age? The answer is given to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. He tells us there, for the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, 
guess what weapon you have? Guess what amazing weapon you have? It is a weapon of prayer. It is mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Remember that. The strongholds that have been placed on people by Satan. How he's blinded them. Guess what? You pray, you pray, and you pray. Did you know that before you came to know Jesus Christ, for those of you that are believers that are listening here, for those of you that have surrendered to Jesus Christ by faith, did you know that there was somebody praying for you? And that is evidence when it comes to the power of prayer. That's what's so amazing. Someone prayed for you, and the strongholds of the enemy were broken down. They were broken down. If you want your loved ones and your friends, those ones that have their eyes that are veiled, that have been blinded by the God of this age, then you pray. You pray and you pray and you pray. And we leave the rest to God because we know one thing, that they are. it is mighty, this power, this prayer that we have. It is mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And he wants to pull down strongholds. Are we faithful in our prayers? Are we praying for others? I know I have family members that are still blinded. They think that the world is the best that can be offered to them. And yes, when you talk about Jesus, they don't like it. Just like I didn't like it at one time. Just like I was blinded, but someone was praying for me. And look at where I'm at today. Working the ministry of righteousness. May today's message, may it comfort your hearts. May it encourage you. May it open your eyes. May it give you a greater zeal and a passion. Remember, we're going to avoid all this tribulation that's coming. But if you truly love someone, you want them saved. You want them with you. Let's pray. Let's pray. For those of you that don't have this relationship, for those of you that have been stirred up by the things that I'm sharing with you now, I'm going to give you an opportunity, just like I had the opportunity when there was a pastor that was preaching the gospel up there and he gave this call. If there's anybody that wants to receive Jesus who will save you from your sins, come to him by faith. Open your hearts to him. And I open my heart to him. And the light of God dispelled the darkness that was in my heart. If you want this too, it comes when you come to him by faith. What I'm going to do is I'm going to lead you in a prayer. A simple prayer of faith. That's all it was for me. It was a simple prayer of faith. It wasn't all these, you know, these these things that I don't understand and just talking, you know, just whatever, just to 
receive God. No, it was a simple prayer that was spoken by my lips, by my heart. And I received the newness of life. It was light in this dark heart. I want to offer this to you, but not only to you. I want to offer this to those that call themselves believers, but yet they're practicing sin. And yes, you in fact may be a believer, but the problem is, is you're practicing sin. And you need to turn from these sins, and you need to turn to God. You need to ask God, forgive me. The lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh have overtaken me. And I don't want that anymore. I want you, God. I want you and only you. I know that the rapture's coming and I may not go because I'm practicing sin. Well, guess what? There's one resolution and that resolution is to come to Jesus by faith. So I'm going to lead both you, the unbeliever and the believer, those that are in sin, to surrender your lives to Jesus Christ. Repeat this simple prayer. Repeat it and mean it with your heart. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of these sins that I've done against you. I've sinned, Lord. I've fallen from the glory of God, and I'm sorry. And I invite you into my heart. I don't want this darkness prevailing in my heart. I want light in my heart, the light of Christ. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for sending your son to die for me. All I ask you now is to fill me with your spirit. To empower me by your spirit. To live a life that is pleasing to you. I believe this in my heart. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you have done, if you have made this decision, we invite you to. Let us know, and not only to let us know, but to be discipled as we have a 12-series discipleship program on our YouTube channel, Calvary Chapel New Beginnings La Puente. You can pull it up. Grow in His Word. Grow in His knowledge. Keep tuning in until we get the green light to meet again, if, if we're going to meet again, because we, the Lord can come at any time. I also want to invite you to pray. I want you to read your word. Start with one of the gospels and read the word. Begin a life of prayer on a daily basis. Acknowledge the Lord. And if you need us to pray for you, then shoot us a message as to what you want us to pray for. Or better yet, you can join us on Zoom on our online prayer. We 
welcome you into the family of God. And we praise the Lord for what he has done today. He's the one that spoke to you. He's the one that ministered to you. Remember, it's all him. May he get the glory. God bless you. We love you. And uh, we'll see you on Monday at our prayer meeting or on Wednesday evening service at 7 p.m. God bless you all.